All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Daily Faceoff Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis, live every weekday at noon Eastern. Ah, Mike, they said we could exhale after round one of the Stanley Cup playoffs, five games in two days, and yet there is a lot of news to get to. Welcome into the Daily Faceoff Show. Today is Monday, May 16th. It is day 15 of the Stanley Cup playoffs, and it is a dark night in the NHL. But Mike, there's so much to recap. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing, man. And you know what? It's been really nice to just have two games to focus on like we did last night, and they were pretty offset. So got to watch a full night of hockey, and Frank, it was plenty exciting. Hey, buddy? Yeah, what a night it was. Jake Ottinger absolutely stealing the show in a losing effort. Uh, but first, let's get to the news of the day, uh, breaking here in the last few minutes. Uh, sources say that the Vegas Golden Knights have fired head coach Pete DeBoer. And in addition to that, we had some other head coaching news as the New York Islanders announced that Lane Lambert has been promoted from assistant coach to head coach. Uh, a statement coming from Lou Lamorello on this Monday. Monday morning. Mike, uh, not really any surprise on the Pete DeBoer front. We had talking, been talking for weeks as the season closed that there would be likely changes coming. We found out shortly after the season ended that Kelly McCrimmon, their general manager, would be back. Pete DeBoer uh, is now a free agent and Lane Lambert now occupies the post on Long Island. And really a news dump, not surprising also in that the NHL politely requests teams to hold off on making any major announcements until after or between rounds, if at all possible. 
Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting that they waited for that. But, you know, Lane Lambert, uh, first off, getting the job in New York. Frank, a lot of people think he's been due for an NHL head coaching job for some time. I'd heard that that could be a possibility there even as early as a couple of weeks ago. So no surprise. And we knew there'd be a fall guy in Vegas. And now we have it. Pete DeBoer's out and open season begins. And boy, Frank, you wonder how much money they could throw at Barry Trotz in Vegas. But that's just a curiosity. Yeah, I think there's going to be a number of really interesting candidates on the Vegas Golden Knights front. Barry Trotz would make a lot of sense to bring some structure to that team. Uh, what about someone that's on the TNT panel? Rick Tockett would make mm -hmm. some sense to me. I'd imagine there's a number of qualified, qualified candidates that are out there. Paul Maurice is a free agent as well. Uh, recently of the Winnipeg Jets. But let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock. And let's start with the Calgary Flames thrilling Game 7 overtime win on Sunday night. Mike, Sunday was just the second night in the 104-year history of the Stanley Cup playoffs that we saw two Game 7s go to overtime. And in this case, for a player that had been knocked for so long about his playoff performance and previous woes, that Johnny Gaudreau ends up netting the overtime winner for the Flames to send them on and set up a battle of Alberta. And for Gaudreau, this really seemed to be his signature moment. For sure. I mean, he had asked in the postgame presser about how big that goal was. And man, he was indignant about it. Like, yeah, man, this was a huge stage, like the biggest stage. Look what we just did. Well, I mean, Goudreau to me was good the whole series and eight points in seven games, but he hadn't had that big goal yet. And for him to rise the occasion and put an exclamation point on the series to be the guy when he's been under the microscope for so long for his playoff performance, it's a huge deal for him. And, and for everybody with Calgary, I mean, you, you had several players really rise to the occasion. Toffoli hadn't scored. Kachuk hadn't scored. They'd heard those whispers in the series against Dallas. When was it going to happen? Well, it finally did in Game 7. Um, Calgary got the offense they needed, but it definitely um, you know, came from Johnny Hockey and him wearing an A on his jersey, too. Take that into account. meant something to him. So pretty unbelievable hockey we get to watch. Yeah, pretty cool scene too. You saw his mom mentioned how uh, on Twitter just actually a little while ago that she had shed a tear when she saw that Johnny Gaudreau would have the A on his jersey. But in addition to that, a pretty cool scene after the game uh, coming off the ice, Johnny Gaudreau hugged Sean Monahan. Obviously, those two guys really close. Monahan not able to contribute after undergoing season-ending surgery. And the Flames, Mike, now move on to a much stiffer test, I would think, in the Battle of Alberta. Although they had to wade through the muck against the Dallas Stars. We'll talk in a second about Jake Ottinger and his ridiculous performance. But do you feel like this now next matchup will free up the Flames to be more like who they were in the regular season? Or do you have any concern coming off of this round one win that they maybe you know weren't firing on all cylinders for a chunk of it? I, I think a lot of it really just had to do with the way Dallas played. They're the ultimate counterpunch team. You know, it wasn't a fluke that they went all the way to the Stanley Cup finals a couple of years ago. It's because when they turned it on come playoff time and it's all behind Jamie Benn, their captain who scored first, they can be stifling. And, and I think that was most of it. We've seen, Frank, that Calgary can play just about any style you need. Uh, and I'm sure against Edmonton, it's probably going to be a little bit up, more up-tempo. But Calgary will definitely want to be able to stick to their defensive guns and be able to lock down when necessary against such a potent offensive team like Edmonton. Yeah, and we had been saying for a while that we thought that Calgary, their game might translate really well to the playoffs with their focus on defense and just how few goals they tend to give up. But 
Mike, they almost didn't make it there because of Jake Ottinger. Mm -hmm. If they lost last night, and to me, it kind of felt like the longer that went on, the more the Stars had a chance to win because they almost got goalied. Jake Ottinger turns in one of the best all-time series performances, uh, certainly in my lifetime. You know, I was thinking back and I was actually texting our managing editor, Matt Larkin, as the game was going on. I said, where does this stack up for you in terms of historic all-time goaltending performances? You know, we were shooting some ideas back and forth. He said, maybe Eddie Belfour in 2004 against the Sens, three shutouts in one series. That's kind of rare. You think back to... John Sebastian Jaguer and the run that he had with the Anaheim Ducks, that was incredible, winning the Conn Smythe and a losing effort. I mean, you look at Jake Ottinger and the series, 954 save percentage. Um, it's right up there with that Eddie Belfour save percentage. It's actually, I think, a, a, just a slight notch above in decimal point. And had it not gone to overtime, he was closing in on Ken Dryden's all-time single series record for saves in one series without an OT game. Obviously, we, we ended up going to OT, but to look at Ottinger's performance, he not only put himself on the map, but he really established himself as a big game goalie. You know, all those stats that you just rattled off are really awesome. Like those <laughs> define what he did on the ice. But here's a couple things that I take away. When they went through the handshake line, did you see the respect that he got from the Calgary Flames? That, to me, really Crazy. showed what Ottinger did. It, I mean, they all spent about two minutes, it felt like, a piece telling him how awesome he was. Because he was. This was one of the best series I've seen. And I talked to a couple goalie coaches around the NHL in the past you know, 12 hours here. And, and like, here's a couple comments here. All right. Best whole series I've ever seen. Okay, ever. That's an NHL goalie coach. I got another one that said, holy F that kid might be the best series I've ever seen a goalie play. This is within the goalie community. So that's the historic level of it. And Frank, at the other end, Jacob Markstrom is at the top of his game as well. So like you, this was a goalie's dream, but Ottinger was going head to head with somebody who is a Vezina finalist this year, we'd imagine, and Markstrom. So it, it was awesome to see. And I think it really just planted the flag for Ottinger as the guy in Dallas and somebody that we can look to in the future to be potentially in the, you know, in the Vezina running. And if not that, at least a big game goaltender. Yeah, there's really no doubt about that. And I love the confidence that he had after the game saying, Mm. you know, I'm going to learn from this. I'm going to make sure that next time this rolls around that we're the team that ends up advancing. He was just absolutely under siege in that game, game seven with the way that the flames had really took it to the stars in terms of shot more than a hundred shot attempts. Like it was a wild game, multiple posts hit uh, in that third period and beyond tons of opportunity opportunities, excuse me, and chances for the Flames to score. Uh, Just as you mentioned, a goalie's dream. So uh, Ottinger certainly up there in terms of the MVP of round one conversation, if not taking it home in a losing effort. We'll talk a little bit more about the goaltending matchups in round two coming up in the blue paint. But let's talk about the New York Rangers bouncing the Pittsburgh Penguins in round one, game seven also needing overtime and the New York Rangers did something Mike 
That has never been done in the history of the game. Yes, I said already 104 years the Stanley Cup playoffs have been around. And the Rangers are the first team ever to win a series erasing a 3-1 to deficit while winning all three of those games in come-from-behind fashion. They were down 2 nothing in Game 5, 2 nothing in Game 6, and trailed 2-1 to and 3-2 to in Game 7. They pull it out, and now it feels sort of like the end of an era in Pittsburgh. Don't know what the Penguins are going to end up doing with their offseason with Evgeny Malkin, Brian Rust, as well as Chris Letang as pending unrestricted free agents, in addition to Evan Rodriguez, who had a great series and a fantastic regular season. But for the Rangers' perspective, they now go on to meet the Carolina Hurricanes in round two. Mike, you know, when you look at this series, it really was odd from start to finish. Igor Shesterkin ends up leaving with pretty decent numbers in this series. Uh, but if you look at and take the triple overtime game out of the mix, he had an 893 save percentage in the series. And I don't think anyone expected Louis Domingue to be in net as long as he was for the Penguins. Tristan Jari comes in. Don't know if you can fault that decision for to start him in game seven, even though he ended up giving up four. And the Rangers somehow, some way, end up winning this series that they probably had no business winning. I mean, Pittsburgh had this in the bag. It felt like, man, they're up 3-1 in the series. And I don't care who's in goal for you at that point. You ought to be able to close things out. And they couldn't do it. And they had leads in all those games, man. Like, this is historic levels. And toss it on goalies all you want, but like, Louis Domingue's a third stringer and he's played a hundred and something NHL games. It's not like they were throwing somebody in the fire that had never played before. I, Pittsburgh just didn't get it done. And what bothered me, Frank, just the, the complaining about the helmet coming off of Pedersen and how that apparently submarine Pittsburgh's entire season. Like really dude, like I, I just think that's crazy, man. Like, a helmet comes off. First off, that's not a dumb rule. Okay. Like Robert Bortuzzo took a puck to the head for the blues a couple, you know, a couple weeks ago and had to miss a couple games. If he didn't have his helmet on, who knows what happens? Like it's not a dumb rule. Pittsburgh had well, five they also guys didn't on know the, ice. the rule, Mike. Yeah, like he didn't even Pedersen didn't even look for his helmet, Frank. You know what he, you know what he looked for? He looked for the ref. He's doing Christ the Redeemer on the ice like this, looking for a call. When they're winning three to two in game seven, he's looking for a call. Doesn't look for his bucket and skates off the ice, and then they have the then they sit up there and complain about it. Oh, I'm fired up, man, because that's just silly, dude. They had five guys on the ice, like when the goal went in. It's not like the guy that went off Pedersen directly abandoned the front of the net and it went in. Like, fight through adversity and win a game for a team. I mean, it made last word here, Frank. Did it not make the Penguins seem entitled? I don't know if entitled is the right word. It just felt like. They were looking for something to blame. They didn't really have anything yeah. else to say. And in this case, yes, Pedersen, it was a cheap play from Alexi Lafreniere to wrestle off his helmet, I think. But he also could have put it back on. He didn't need to do the, the chin strap up. So you can just throw it back on your head and keep playing. But more to the point, once that happened, no one said that as he's skating to the bench, John Marino needs to serve up an absolute pizza after the fact. So that's really why the goal. Yeah. Extra cheese, you know, whatever toppings you want, some pepperoni, like it was ugly and it was right in the back of their net. So um, that's really what the issue was. And, and I don't know that there are any excuses for the Penguins having a three to one series lead. 
you know, yes, Sidney Crosby went down in game five and it was one of the oddest changes I've ever seen swings in a game where you have the game flip that suddenly on its head with one player leaving the ice. But, you know, Crosby sits out game six, comes back for game seven. So they've got Crosby, Jari uh, in net. Uh, they get Ricard Raquel back as well. Obviously, not all of these guys necessarily are at 100%, but they would have had enough firepower, I would think, enough muscle to just win one game and try and survive to face the Canes in round two. Yeah, man. I, there's no excuses. It's When you're frustrated in those moments, you're trying to find anything, but bottom line, man, they didn't get it done. And they had every bit of a chance to beat the Rangers. They didn't. Now they got a lot of work in the offseason. Yeah, no question about that. And we mentioned the potential end of an era. It's also, last I checked, it is the fourth straight first round series exit for the Pittsburgh Penguins, who have had very little to show in terms of playoff success since they won back-to-back Stanley Cups. Mike, so let's talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs. You want to talk about lack of first round success. The Leafs are now 0-10 in uh chances to close out a series going back to 2013. So they've lost 10 straight. It's nine in the Matthews and Marner era going back to 2019. But this just felt different. And, you know, you look at game seven and the way that it played out. What's, what feeling do you end up leaving with about the Leafs? I actually feel good about the Leafs, man. Like, I don't think they were strong enough defensively all year. And I think that's going to be the first area of concern this summer. I know everybody's probably looking at goaltending and thinking that it needs to be shored up because Campbell is going to be a, a free agent. You still have Mrazic tied up at 3.8 for another two years, which is pretty wonky. I don't think they'd like to have that contract, but who knows? To me, it all goes through the defense first. And I thought Toronto was better when they got Giordano. I thought Labushkin gave them a boost as well. But realistically, they only have Muzz and Riley and Brody long-term. And, you know, hauled as well for next year. But I think they need two more defensemen to be able to compete. I love the offensive group. And I thought they played with some jam and some moxie, Frank. That was the difference to me is that you saw Marner and Matthews look engaged and they were producing. I just think they ran ran into a really, really good Tampa Bay team. And, you know, it's nine game series. Who knows who wins the thing? They haven't gotten over the hump, but I I think they were much better this year and set up for it now that they know again, like, hey, they've proven to themselves that they can at least run with them, but they got to get that win, eh, Frank? And it's going to be a big job this summer. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm with you. I I think they'd be silly to just blow this up. Uh, you know, I and I, I saw a lot of people talking about it. You know, Eddie Olchick to close out the broadcast on TNT said point blank, not even if he said changes are coming. And I was like, how, first off, how do you know that? What do you know that I don't and why? Because it'd be a different story if they gagged on it the way that they did against the Montreal Canadiens. It'd be a different story if they were the clearly better team and found a way to lose mm-hmm. again. And yes, there were blown opportunities. To me, they lost this series by not closing out game four and, and going up three to one in the series. That's really that was their opportunity to win. You could talk about blowing that third period lead in game six, a fluky couple penalties, five on three. It's in the back of your net. Also, full marks to the lightning. Like they really did yeah. have the heart of a champion. And and this is a team that is, you know, is unflappable in so many ways, which is why I like them against the Florida Panthers. And I know it's been a long time since, you know, a playoff series win in Toronto going back to 2004. But to me, 
I, you know, I think you find a way to reshape things. I even think you have to consider bringing Jack Campbell back because mm -hmm. he's going to cost you less now than he would have based on the swoon that he had in the regular season. And the free agent market or the goalie market in general is not all that enticing or interesting. You've got Vili Huso as the premier unrestricted free agent. He stumbled in the playoffs. He ceded the net to Jordan Bennington. And the Leafs have cap constraints and concerns. They've got to figure out what, if anything, they can do with Mrazek. Um, you know, they've got some other guys that they need to take a look at in terms of filling out their forward group. I don't know. I like this Leaf team. I like the way that they battled. And I'm with you in saying that I think they just ran into a better team and they took them as far as you can possibly go the last dying seconds of game seven. Yeah, man. Like you go that deep, it happens. Like, and it's, I know it's everybody looks at first round, but what if this is the third round against the Tampa Bay Lightning? You know, like what if the Tampa Bay Lightning win another cup again? Like I had that experience myself. I, I've played against teams that go on to win and you just go like, man, we lost them in the second round. But then you have to realize like, that's a damn good team we played against. So I, I'm with you, Frank. I feel way better about the Leafs after this playoff performance than I have in the past. And for good reason, because they look like a totally mm -hmm. different team. Let's dive into yeah, the round sure. two goalie matchups, Mike, with this week's edition of the Blue Paint. It's been a while since we had some nerdy goaltending talk. <laughs> That's right. It's time for the blue paint with our goaltending guru, Mike McKenna. This segment delivered by DoorDash. Mike, when you take a look at the round two matchups and you see the St. Louis Blues in your neck of the woods going up against the Colorado Avalanche, Darcy Kemper really able to avoid. Here's the matchups just in case you needed a refresher after all those game sevens. Darcy Kemper was able to avoid serious injury with that cat eye mask, the fluke stick coming through. I still get chills watching that. But Kemper was really quite good in that series. He obviously had a lot of firepower in front of him against Nashville. But he's going up in an interesting matchup against Jordan Bennington. As we mentioned, Bennington sees the net bold play for Craig Berube, their coach, to make, to put, to go to Bennington in that series. But it really paid off for them. Does Bennington have the confidence back that you needed to see from him in order to rely on him in a playoff series? Boy, Bennington sure looked like it. Now, it was a small sample size. It was only the three games that he played against the Minnesota Wild, but he did close them out in that series and had great numbers in doing so. I mean, 943 save percentage against a pretty dynamic offensive team in Minnesota. I think Bennington, especially in the last portion of the season, solidified himself back to what he believes in his head can be a winning goaltending goaltender because he looks so crisp in his movements and confident in what he was doing. Um, but then again, like you're also going against Colorado Avalanche. So, you know, you drop a couple games. I think Craig Berube may, wouldn't be shy to go right back to Ville Husso, who was okay, but not great against Minnesota. Um, Bennington gave St. Louis a big lift. And when I look at Colorado, Kemper was really strong. Obviously, you know, his team's really good in front of him, but Kemper's been underrated this year, Frank. And I think that first month or two, it took him to get adjusted. Uh, kind of gave the wrong impression of him as a goalie. He was just getting adjusted in the last second half of the year. He was awesome, but really scary when the stick, the stick went through uh, his mask and thankfully didn't suffer anything major in terms of structural damage. And so yesterday, he still got a little bit of puffiness on his eye, but it seems like he's going to be ready to go for game one. So... Definitely excited to see this matchup between Kemper and Bennington to start. 
Yeah, and no doubt. I mean, uh, just nice to see that Kemper is back to form. You think of the Colorado Avalanche yeah. and the issues that they ran into in playoffs past. You know, it's the one thing I was saying, even going back to the deadline, as they made some pretty nice additions, you know, adding guys uh, like an Arturi Lekkinen, for instance, you need health. If you're not healthy, you can't yeah. win. And so for Kemper to avoid serious injury, I think is hugely important for everyone. But what about the Battle of Alberta? You mm -hmm. mentioned earlier mm -hmm. in the show, we talked about uh, Jake Ottinger and how he was ridiculous. But Jacob Markstrom was damn good himself, did not give much up to the Dallas Stars. He goes head to head against Mike Smith, who has sort of been playoff Mike Smith of old. Smith's playoff numbers have always been really good. And he's a guy that you know, had that one gaffe in game one, but other than that, settled in and he really looked dialed in in game seven. That was about as confident as I've seen Mike, Mike Smith look in a long time. If there's any team in this tournament, and it's not a tournament, right? We're Stanley Cup playoffs. But if there's any of the teams that are left that are worried about health of goaltending, it has to be Edmonton. You're just hoping that Mike Smith can stay healthy, and he has been for the last several months. So that's a positive indicator. His game, to me, Frank, is really built for playoffs because – Smith is not someone who chases. He prefers to stay a little bit deeper. And in playoffs, generally, things tighten up. You know, when, when teams get frustrated and can't score, they start chucking pucks from all over the ice, from the points, from the sides of the net. And if you're deeper in your crease, it gives you a better chance on those initial shots um, compared to what in the regular season you may, for, may, may face more rush opportunities than the playoffs. So it's no surprise to me that Smith played well. His puck handling is a huge asset. It gets, the, it gets Edmonton going up the ice um, in a big I almost hurry. thought we were going to get a goalie goal with the, with the net empty the other oh. day. Almost, but you know what? You know what came closest, actually, we'll talk about in a second. Vasilevsky had an open net for Tampa Bay, and he chickened out on it. And almost cost so, him, but, uh, so Smith, and look, not to interrupt you again, but Smith, I, could, I think he was thinking about it with the net empty in Game mm -hmm. 7, but he had just had that error throwing it up the middle previously that I think he was like, look, now's not the time for me to try. It could have been. <laughs> yeah, you got to take that into account sometimes. I think closing out 7 was a little bit more important, but... Um, you know, I, I think Smith's game is built for it. And Markstrom, to me, is the same way. Like, he was – the hardest part of the series against Dallas for Markstrom, I think, was that he's watching Ottinger stand on his head at the other end and face all these shots. And when you don't face as many and your team can't score, like, that could be really frustrating for a goaltender and you can end up trying too hard. Markstrom didn't do that. He kept his head. He let the game come to him. He just took care of his own business. That's the sign of a mature goaltender, Frank. And – I don't think that was there four or five years ago for Markstrom. It's definitely there now. Hmm. If there's one cause for concern for the Florida Panthers, I think in round two, it would be that Andre Vasilevsky, starting from game six in overtime on, looked insanely dialed in. Mm -hmm. What about the other end of the crease for the Florida Panthers and Sergei Bobrovsky? Really just average numbers you look at, Andre Vasilevsky, eight, he had an 8.93 save percentage heading into Game 7. He was really good in Game 7. Uh, doesn't make up for the fact that he had given up three goals in each of the first six games at least. Who has the edge here? Is it still Vasilevsky? It's still Vasilevsky, yeah. I mean, at the beginning of the Florida series, I was kind of going, well, what about Bob? Where is he right now? And he's been fine. All, all series, he was fine. All season, he was he was fine. But I thought... What Bob improved upon this year was closing games out. And that's a real skill. Like you have to be able to do that no matter how good the team is in front of you, even if your team's scoring five or six goals. Um, 
But I mean, to me, Vasilevsky is the best money goalie in the NHL, in the world. Okay. And what's scary about him is, like you said, he can just flip the switch. Because I didn't think he was very good in the series against Toronto. I, I thought that he was, you know, a little bit, you know, lazy in his angles. And he wasn't, he playing so low and wide and giving up space. And then all of a sudden, six and seven, he just took over again. And you see it happen. He just bounces back. So I think the edge is still to Tampa Bay. With Bob, I I worry about how dynamic Tampa is and how quickly they can move the puck and how Bob has a tendency to kind of get spread and chase a little bit on the lateral side of things. So um, I do think it's add Tampa. But I really want to see how Bob performs, man. Like I'm really curious of that because if he can bring it to a level we haven't seen this year, there's no reason why Florida can't get past Tampa if Bob's there. I'm just not seeing it. I'm not feeling the love. I don't. I still pick Tampa too, man. He gives me all the nervous feels when he's in net. It feels like (laughs) sometimes he's all over the place. And some of the stats with Vasilevsky, you just can't argue with five shutouts in elimination games, 18 and 0 following a loss in the last three Stanley Cup playoff games. Uh, Series. I just I don't see Vasilevsky bobbling at any point, even though he was. Very pedestrian and average for most of round one. That leaves us Igor Shesterkin, the Hart Trophy finalist, Vezina Trophy finalist. I mentioned that stat earlier in the show. Games uh, two through seven to close out the series, 893 save percentage. His numbers are padded a bit by the fact that he made an insane number of saves in that triple overtime game in Mm -hmm. game one. He goes up against Antti Ranta, who held his own against the Boston Bruins. And, you know, one thing I thought was interesting or is going to be interesting to watch for the Hurricanes is how far away is Freddie Anderson? And at what point, how much action would you need to see of Freddie Anderson in practice in order to go with him over Antti Ranta? Is it just his crease for the time being? Doesn't seem like Anderson's that close, so it might be. I've had that same thought, Frank. That's the wild card in the series, because to me, Anderson is a better top end goaltender than Antti Ranta. But Ranta's historically performed at a high level. He's just never been healthy. And even in the first round, Ranta wasn't healthy the whole time. I mean, they had to go to Kachetkov, the the young Russian goaltender, for a couple games. That's the big intrigue around Carolina. I think their top three goalies are pretty interchangeable, realistically, but it does have a hierarchy to it. If Anderson gets practice time, that's great. But I think it's Ranta's net for now. Unless he bobbles, and you're going back to Freddie in that case. I, I think Ranta's got it. Uh, and for Shishirkin, that first round was a real learning curve. You know, you're you're learning to manage a full seven game series, how to handle the pressure of it, how to bounce back. And Shishirkin did. He bounced back. He was able to do that. Um, and, and going against top end talent. And I thought the Rangers left him out to dry, like they did early in the season. The difference is that the pucks went in the net this time, Frank. Where early in the year, Shishirkin was making those saves. So um, he set the bar so high for himself that it's hard to live up to in playoffs. But I think that Game Seven, especially, should give him a little bit of a, du- of a little bit of juice heading into this series against Carolina. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to watch these four goalie battles in round two. And if we learned anything in round one, Mike, it's maybe to also expect the unexpected with the number of goalie Mm -hmm. changes and different contributors that we saw in round one. So the guys we just highlighted might not be the guys that end up finishing off these series with injuries. 
or play, potentially end everything else. So thanks to Mike McKenna for this edition of the Blue Paint. This was delivered by DoorDash. You see the promo codes there at the bottom of your screen. DFODD if you're in Canada, DFODDUS if you're in the United States. That gets you 25% off and free delivery on your first order with DoorDash. Look, a lot of playoff games on tap over the next number of days. Battle of Alberta. You don't want to cook. All your favorites and more delivered right to your door by DoorDash. Mike, we have absolutely meat wagoned this show, but it's time for our daily face-off inbox <laughs> yes, question of the day. Hashtag ask DFO. Mike, which team eliminated is going to have the busiest summer? Well, the low-hanging fruit's Pittsburgh, man. I mean, you got Malkin, Russ, Latang. I mean, even Rodriguez to all figure out as UFAs. Uh, Minnesota's going to have a lot of work to do with their salary cap and Kevin Fiala. But I do wonder about Dallas, Frank. You know, is Rick Bonus going to come back as head coach? Do they look elsewhere there? Radulov is coming off the books. Klingberg is still ostensibly looking to be a free agent and go elsewhere. That's $10.5 million to work with. Um, but they need scoring. And... It's going to be interesting what Jim Nill does, does this summer because, you know, Dallas, they, they really can't rest on their laurels here. Like they're going to need a little bit of influx and some changes to their lineup, I think, to really be competitive. So who do you have your eye on? Well, I yeah, you mentioned Pittsburgh, low-hanging fruit. I also think Boston, there's going to be uh, some interest mm. there. What happens with Patrice Bergeron, him exiting the ice? Does he retire? He really seemed to think that you know this might be the end. Um, even the Washington Capitals, we saw news the other day as they're closing out their lockers on Sunday, um, you know, Nicholas Backstrom basically hinting that his hip issue is not going away and he has some, quote, yeah. decisions to make. But I, you know, the Bruins, in addition to Bergeron, they have um, Bruce Cassidy, who's entering the final year of his deal. There's obviously been some friction there between Cassidy and, and some of the Bruins players. And Don Sweeney, I believe, has just finished the last season of his contract. I, to my knowledge, he does not have an extension heading into next season. Does mm -hmm. he get one? Do they have a regime change? And I also wanted to cheat a little bit. We t the question was eliminated teams. Got to keep an eye on the Vancouver Canucks. We had Canucks president of Hockey Ops, Jim Rutherford, on the DFO Rundown podcast today, episode 129. Wherever you get your podcasts, he talked about all the moves that he wants to make. The Canucks are going to be extremely active this summer. One would think a lot of big questions to make to answer there in terms of their contracts and where they go moving forward with their cap. Let's bring in Tyler Remchuk for today's daily face-off daily bet segment. No games on the slate. What are you doing? Looking ahead towards some series? prices what am i doing tonight uh staring at a wall frank because there's no hockey on but uh yeah looking at some series prices today courtesy of our That's friends <clears throat> excuse me at points bet canada so let's jump into it here and see what we got going on around the league uh there were only two teams or sorry there's only two of these series where the two teams in it split their season series there wasn't a winner it's edmonton calgary it's florida tampa bay they were both two and two against each other this season so why not take both of these series to go the distance in seven games? In Calgary, Edmonton, it's paying out plus 200. Florida, Tampa, it's plus 210. So if you bet on both of them and just hit one, you're going to be up a unit. So I actually like doing that. That's my first of the series plays here. Edmonton, Calgary to go the distance. Florida, Tampa Bay to go the distance as well. You can see Tampa plus 131 underdogs. I don't mind that spot, but I'm actually going to wait and take a bit of a risk here. If they were to lose game one, or even if this series was split, 
after the first two games, I actually think you might see those odds go up. So I'm going to wait there. Edmonton, I don't mind them at plus 155, but the health of Leon Drysaddle is just scaring me away a little bit. So I'm avoiding Tampa and Edmonton to win the series, but I'm taking both of these matchups to go the distance in seven games. The one team I am betting on to win the series is the Colorado Avalanche to beat the St. Louis Blues. As we scroll down, minus 449, there's no value on them to win this series straight up, but taking them at minus 170 to finish this series in six games or less, not a great payout, but I think the Avs are going to roll here. I, they went 2-1 and one against the Blues in the regular season. They swept this St. Louis team last year. I just think Colorado is simply too good for this series to go longer than six games. Carolina, New York, I don't mind the Rangers again at plus 150, but the payout is just maybe not quite good enough for me here. So again, I'm going to be watching this one. If the Hurricanes happen to win game one, you'll probably see those Rangers odds shoot up uh, like plus 250 or something like that. And the Rangers have proven they can come back in a series. So the only team I'm picking to win is Colorado in six games or sooner. I'm also taking Tampa, Florida, Edmonton, Calgary to each go the distance at seven games, Frank. And that's all I got for series prices today. But I'm expecting tomorrow there's probably going to be some player odds posted for each of these series. So I might be betting some over-unders in terms of player goals and points. Yeah, if you can find it, I've seen it out there in some spots. Nathan McKinnon, over under two and a half goals. Over two and a half was you know, better than even money. It was, uh, I think I saw it plus 130, plus 140. Keep an eye on that one. That guy is yeah, north like of a goal a game in the playoffs in his career and had five and four games. It was a short series. He still ended up doubling what that total was. So keep an eye on that one. And you mentioned the injury with Leon Dreisaitl. That's going to be really key to monitor for the entire series. Um, you know, I think it's going to be fascinating to see what the Oilers end up doing. Do you, he played through a really painful high ankle sprain in game seven. How many times can you continue to shoot that thing up? Do you try and get him some rest for the first couple games of the series and then bring him back for the meat of it? There's some thought out there that maybe a high ankle sprain with some rest, you know, only that short period of time may not be that beneficial. Just keep playing on it, see what happens. I don't know. Going to be fascinating. Braden Point as well. John Cooper saying today that uh, he is doubtful for game one and day to day after that in the Battle of Florida. Mike, that brings us to garbage time and we dug into all of the different uh, facets of round one, but there were also some viral moments. Which one got you the most excited? Which one did you laugh at the most? Oh man, it happened Friday night with the Rangers playing uh, against the Penguins and Mika Zibanejad goes in, has a breakaway, hits the post, comes to the bench, looks for the iPad to figure out what he can do better on it. Well, take a gander at this because Chris Kreider did not like that Zibanejad was going to take a look at the iPad, rips it out of his hands, chucks it behind the bench and just tells him, forget it, man, don't second guess yourself. Like, I love this. This was a leader taking care of business and supporting his teammate. This was not bad. This was really good for the Rangers and at an appropriate time too. So they end up come back, take the series. What'd you have, Frank? Yeah, they had a great laugh about it at the podium when asked about it after the game. They did their uh, press conference together. And I thought just his explanation was so perfect in that he was saying, Look, you had the guy beat. What, what are you worrying about what you yeah. could have done better? You just hit the post. Stop trying to overthink it. And so I think that was hugely beneficial for the Rangers because their series, they never really overthought any part of it. If they did, they would have lost. They just kept playing. So, um, you know, full marks to them for their comeback in that series for me. I'm going to stick uh, in the Penguin series as well. That viral video that went around after one of the goal celebrations of uh, 
this Penguins fan here trying to kiss uh, what ended up becoming his fiance, as Pete Blackburn reported. Uh, he later proposed to her later in the series, which is, I don't know, peak Pittsburgh <laughs> to me. But uh, she is clearly pushing back against the Penguins, advancing past the first round. Pete had the best meme going in round one. His meme game was strong and Man, just awful mean as well as the Penguins end up <laughs> losing in Game 7. That was a good one. And then one other one that I saw was last night. They panned a, a man dressed up as the Macho Man Randy Savage in Calgary after they took the victory in Game 7. And that just, Frank, it warmed my soul, man. That's playoff yeah. hockey. Macho Madness. I bet it would. That is peak Mike McKenna as well. That'll do it for today's uh, meaty edition of the Daily Faceoff Show. About nine minutes too long. We had a lot to get to. We had eight series to cover and we touched on all of them. We'll be back with a full in-depth round two preview on Tuesday, 12 noon Eastern. Tyler Remchuk and Mike McKenna, you know where to find them. I am heading to Calgary for the Battle of Alberta, which begins on Wednesday. I will talk to you there. And until then, enjoy the night off. Get some rest because you're going to need it. Round two on tap on Tuesday. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks for watching the Daily Face-Off Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. All right, hockey fans, listen up, because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Face-Off Playoff Parlay Challenge, and let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. 
Now here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.